Virtual Manager presents the How Did We Get Here podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the How Did We Get Here podcast. This week, a small trip back in time as Chairman Anil Patel and CIO Neil Fillingham tell the story of securing a vital client for Virtual Manager. It was an interesting time, there's a lot of learning, really good people to work with as well, which was, I think, what made the, the project a bit of a blessing, is that you could learn these things, you could get these things in play, there was realistic timelines in place. It was hard work, but good work. When we did get the opportunity to bid and then we successfully won that bid, we then were able to win every single piece of that backbone of the oil industry where we're still very strong now. And it's, it's a massive thing for us to be able to say that BP are a client or Shell are a client. We'll be joined by that very client, Lee Stringer, the manager of the SafeLoad program in Australia, about his experience working alongside the then small startup company. I think that's been one of the, the absolute benefits and bonuses of us working with Virtual Manager is their ability to understand my needs and then be able to, to tailor what I need to do my job. I'm Charles Dagnall, and I'm your guide as Anil and Neil continue to chart the rise of Virtual Manager. So hello and welcome to the latest edition of the How Did We Get Here podcast. I'm Charles Dagnall, alongside me, the chairman of Virtual Manager, uh, Anil Patel, the CIO, Neil Fillingham. Boys, lovely to have you back. We're churning through these podcasts at the moment. We're doing quite well. We are. <laughs> Lots of fun. Enjoying it, mate. Enjoying well, it. Well, enjoying doing it with you as well. And it's interesting. We've covered so much, obviously, the formative years of Virtual Manager and the breaking into America and taking that by storm, the COVID pandemic, it, what we've covered as well. We're actually going to go a little bit back in time, though, because we're going to hear in a moment from Lee Stringer, who is the CEO of SLP. But I want you to tell me, Anil, if you will, the significance of Lee Stringer, what relation was he towards Virtual Manager? SLP was one of our, I guess, initial clients, but the scale of that business was monumental to our success in Australia. In the SLP signifies a joint venture of all the big oil companies, BP, Shell, Caltex, uh, ExxonMobil. And essentially, when we started with them, it was a concept for how the oil industry could improve health and safety, all of the logistics processes, and we were potentially in it right at the start. So we were very lucky in that we were conceptualizing how the process is going to be and how IT was going to help facilitate all of that. So essentially, when we did get the opportunity to bid and then we successfully won that bid, we then were able to win every single piece of that backbone of the oil industry where we're still very strong now so you know i think we've grown to something like ten thousand vehicles and six thousand drivers you know every day utilizing the product so and it's it's a massive thing for us to be able to say that you know, bp are a client or shell are a client and mm. you know it's not some two-bit company down the road you know these are global iconic brands that we work with and you know we're able to have direct 
links to to relationships with people like Lee. So it's, it was uh, it was an amazing opportunity for us. Was that due to your relationship and your previous work with the petrochemical industry? There was certainly individuals who I knew. Lee, I didn't know. He knew of each other when when we were at Shell. But I was in a very different role in, in Shell. I worked pretty much downstream and a lot of the stuff we were doing was kind of upstream, midstream. Look, it certainly helped because I understood you know what a terminal was and how terminals worked. But I, I don't think it was the reason we got the work. I think it was more that we managed to convince them that we could actually build the IT infrastructure quickly in a cost-effective way. And it was very much mobile focus, which was really our skill set at that time. Neil, again, we go back to even when we were talking about the University of Rochester and building something that wasn't necessarily built yet. You had uh, a lot to do, I assume, in the creation of the product specifically for SLP. Oh, yeah, there was loads and loads to do. And there was also loads of learning because I had, you know, very little experience, you know, even the, ter- you know, the terms like downstream, midstream and upstream and, and ter- what a terminal was and all that. I didn't know anything about any of that. So the thing, so I was, I was swatting up, you know, from an eel, getting those things to the right. It was very early days for the product. So there was a lot of work required on, on getting the product in there and getting, you know, there's even some things that we hadn't even thought of doing that were required for that project. So it kind of really, it really Such as what? Us. Well, just even stuff like uh, videos. So, you know, we were having to put the videos or work, working with Lee to put the videos and everything together. So we were coming up with storyboards, working them through with Lee. And then even when the videos had been shot and everything, getting them into the app, we hadn't thought about doing that for the health clean side of things. So there was a whole load of work that kind of went around that and you could see these storyboards and everything coming together. You knew the videos are going to be there. So you have to code that and get that in, get monitoring, you know, so, so you know, you know that the videos have been watched. Just dashboarding stuff as well around what are the drivers actually done, what information and payment gateways and a whole load of other bits and pieces that in the health clean product, you no need for. It was an interesting time as a lot of learning, really good people to work with as well, which was, I think, what made the, the project a bit of a blessing is that you could learn these things, you could get these things in play. There was realistic timelines in place. Lee and, and the SLP guys were, were really good people. It was hard work, but good work. How crucial, when you look back at that and the joining together of yourselves with SLP, how crucial an account was it to land for Virtual Manager as a company at that time? It was a critical client to land, particularly when we were always asked for references, whether that was in healthcare or retail or any other area. It was always like, who else do you work with? And normally we'd have to get <laughs> testimonials or you'd give a client phone number. The fact that we said, oh, we work with BP Shell Caltex, so like, oh, wow. Okay, and and call Lee if you'd like, you know, if you want a validation on that. But you know, obviously, we were we were the first people to put the logos on the website, and then we were told we're not allowed to put the logos on the website. But, <laughs> so we, we kind of broke some rules there, and but it helped massively. Um, you know, people just never question having a BP logo on your on your website and and what you do. The fact that we couldn't actually say what we did was a little bit difficult, but for them, it was just validation that that we kind of knew what we were doing. And and actually, it was interesting because the process of becoming a supplier to slp was probably the easiest process whereas some of the other organizations put us through you know credit checks and dun and bradstreet checks and all these other things and at the time we would never have got through because we didn't have 
much revenue. We didn't have any staff. It was very small. It's just Neil and me at that time. So we were very, very fortunate in that regard. So the pressure was obviously on. Let's hear then from Lee Stringer, the chief executive of SLP. He's been in conversation with Anil, Neil and Sarah Stark. And he told us first about how it all came about. Well, SafeLow program came about around 10 years ago now, where we were required to provide a, a couple of services to the oil industry as such. Primarily, this was driven by the oil companies that were members of a uh, of an association called the Australian Institute of Petroleum, or AIP. Hence, we went for a very nice little acronym called SLP. But the Australian Institute of Petroleum had some processes within their operations that they needed to manage in a different manner. So they looked at uh, creating this new business and really formalising how that business uh, operated. So we have some fairly good, strong agreements in place with three businesses now. So we are primarily owned by Caltex, now Ampol, and BP Australia. And at the time, we were owned by Shell. Uh, Shell now owned in Australia by Viva Energy. Even the names got very convoluted through this process as well. We had a great partner in the beginning that was a member of AIP, which was uh, ExxonMobil in Australia as well. Unfortunately, due to some issues with the management processes between the US and Australia, they unfortunately had to drop out of the business at the last minute. So again, we have the three majors, but by default now, we have become almost a pseudo-industry player and a pseudo-industry process. Primarily, all the oil companies in Australia now use our processes. We don't charge those companies for our processes, so it's extremely easy for them to want to be part of our process. Those processes are primarily two processes. We train drivers in the basic safety requirements of entering a fuel terminal and loading a fuel tanker. And it's simply the the very first steps of how they do that. And as part of that process, and through the uh, virtual manager guys, we managed to provide them with a, an ID pass that allows them entry into terminals across Australia, having completed their Safe Load program or SLP driver ID. The second process that we do is we provide a compliance program where every six months we have over 112 inspection locations licensed to us, and these are independent businesses across the country, they come to those locations and will have their vehicles assessed for that vehicle's compliance to safety and the Australian standards, and then they're issued with a licence from us to operate for a further six months. So it's sort of an independent compliance process, measurement process, and so on. We deal with that and provide that to uh, around uh, just over 400 transport companies. And I think to date, we have just over 10,000 vehicles in Australia that we are providing this service for. So there are a large number. And I think just to add to that, uh, drivers, we have uh, just over the 5,000 drivers in in the country today that are using our systems as well. And are these processes and the the, the compliances that you go through, are they regulated by government as well or is it a private? 
Uh, to, to a point, they're regulated by government. So we do have the regulators in each state. We'll have WorkSafe, Safe Work. We have uh, Department of Mines and Engineering in other states, the EPA in New South Wales, all doing that. But they definitely look to our processes for providing greater assurance. The fact that we do this process almost gives us a lead against other industries where when we're doing our own self-compliance, the regulators you know, tend to favour what we do very highly. When things go wrong in our industry, they come to us and talk to us. In fact, there are a number of uh, regulators around the country who actually come to us for guidance, being that some of the regulators might have a little less experience in the industry than ourselves. We provide them with information and guidance, and then they go away and make their own interpretation on that. You know, we don't force regulators or impose ourselves on regulators, but we assist them in making their decisions. Now that you've explained that, it makes a lot of sense why you work with Virtual Manager. What are the products that Virtual Manager provides for these two processes? Is it both for the the drivers and the vehicles? Uh, absolutely. We've got a quite unique process for dealing with drivers and a, a separately unique process for dealing with vehicles. Maybe a Neil and Neil don't think our system is unique, but for us, it's quite unique. Yeah, it certainly has uh, been something that the two systems and databases that were developed by the virtual manager guys um, really does assist us in what we do in a very specific manner. I believe we have some idiosyncrasies that others don't require that they have been able to tailor to our needs. And I think that's been one of the, the absolute benefits and bonuses of us working with Virtual Manager is their ability to understand my needs and then be able to, to tailor what I need to do my job. And that's where I think we've had that great relationship. I started out working for the Shell Company and uh, and have transferred it over to their new business of, uh, of Viva Energy. Um, I might say in the background, I'm still employed by one of our partners and then I'm seconded into this business to run it for them on their behalf. Previous roles in the business have been national roles and I've dealt with a lot of IT businesses in various processes. And I can remember day one of meeting Anil and Neil and walking out of there quite sceptical that these guys knew what they were doing, simply because uh, I'd spent many, many years of dealing with IT companies that I would ask, um, I need to do this, can you do that? And the answer would be no. And so if you can't do that, could you do this? No. What about that? No. So it was no, no, no. And our first meeting with Anil and Neil was, yes, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's doable. Yes, that's fine. That's fine. And I remember walking out and talking to my other board members and saying, nah, I'm not too sure of these guys. <laughs> because it was a, a whole new world to me of being told, yeah, we think that can happen. For me, getting to know them over those years and then working with their systems, they've proven that it can happen. It's just this totally different change. Uh, I even deal with colleagues today in the oil industries where I talk to them about IT and IT changes and I talk about what we're doing with the guys currently and I get told, surely that can't be the case. No, that, that can't happen. I'm um, saying, so, well, it, it does happen when you find 
the right people with the right approach. That was my first uh, meeting with them. We'd spoken with a few other IT companies before meeting with them who fit the mould perfectly for me because every time I asked, could they do that? They said no. So we decided to take a punt and we were given some good advice by, I suppose, one of our other board members at the time had seen some work that the guys had done for one of our partners and said, yeah, I think you should give them a try. So it it came with the recommendation and uh, it's worked out for the best. Absolutely. I'm kind of pleased that after the first meeting, you're only quite sceptical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think which meeting that was. and I, Was that your old office in, was it Margate? This was very early on, uh, Anil. That was Hawthorne in Shell's offices in Hawthorne. Do you remember that meeting and, you know, you've kind of said yes and gone, oh, God, what do we do now? And then you go back and fix the actually create the solution so was it one of those moments or could you actually envisage providing the exact solution that lee required from my side i I guess i felt we understood the challenge because being in the oil industry i knew what some of the processes were i didn't know a lot about upstream but had an appreciation of it i was the understanding you know the kind of the lingo and the processes in oil i thought yeah well we've got a good understanding of that and then I guess on the flip side, and probably defer a little bit to Neil, I knew we had a product that at a very high level could monitor compliance, risk, um, and and those kinds of things. I mean, I think the, the devil's always in the detail, but, you know, my confidence is always when I can say yes, but when Neil says yes, I'm comfortable. So you know, I think I know, but I don't really know, but Neil definitely knows. On my side, it was, look, we were... We had a workflow engine in place. Um, Lee's crazily good at taking the processes that they have and kind of laying them out. So Lee always comes to the meetings prepared. There's diagrams showing the flows and everything that he wants, who the responsibilities are with and, and all that, which makes it from a development point of view, it, you've got a lot of documentation there to refer to and you can have a look at what's what's feasible and what's not and what you're kind of close to having. And on the core processes, we we had those bits in place. We had the workflow in place. So it was really higher level stuff that we, we were going to have to work on to get in, in, into bits. And then, like Lee said, there's a few idiosyncrasies about the way that things happen out in the in the field with SLP and that that we had to kind of model. And Lee, you know, had a lot of knowledge around those bits and pieces, so we kind of worked closely. So it was a little bit of both worlds in regards to we we had some stuff which was pretty close. And then there were other bits and pieces that we didn't have, but we were reasonably sure that we could deliver on just by you know, leveraging a few of the other, other technologies and techniques. I think the other part was relationship. I think from early on, we felt that there was a relationship there and an ability to kind of say, well, if we couldn't do something or it was going to be slightly different, we could be honest and work with the partner. Whereas sometimes with corporate clients, it's very much kind of slave and master relationship where we just get belted around the head and, you know, there's something not quite right then. Uh, we get hiding but it was very different i think it was a lot more collaborative and um, we were given the time and opportunity to to develop the system to the way that slp required please let me know if i need to change it's no no, no problem <laughs> <laughs> like the, the 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 time is actually a really important one as well and um, like slp were always very realistic with time frames and that and i think Part of that comes down to the nature of the business in that there's a lot of moving parts in the business, lots of drivers, lots of companies involved, terminals and everything. So Lee has to do a whole load of work on negotiating with people and getting everybody aligned. And that builds time into the project that from a development point of view allows you to do things the right way. 
our business is not so time critical. I must say we have had a few areas where we've had some time critical pieces uh, where um, changes in uh, government legislation and so on have forced us to to do things and do them differently and uh, and meet timeframes. And, and I've always been impressed by your guys' uh, ability to drop things and do that for us. So that's always been good. But yeah, um, I will say that there are some things that we have the uh, advantage of just being able to work our way through nicely and make sure we end up with the right product at the end. Yeah. It's good. I mean, this is eight years ago that you secured this client. So it was very, very early on in the business. It was really the big break in Australia for you. Tell us about how you went about securing that client. Not sure about actually securing them uh, from, from getting the yes, but I think the mindset was we, we knew the people that we'd probably be up against from being on the other side, from working at Shell, knowing that, you know, I'd be pitched to by people like SAP, JD Edwards, the big ERP companies, and knew that, A, their price was going to be 20, 30 times what we would likely charge and be very much a process that couldn't be changed. So we figured, well, we knew that we had a product that could be changed as long as we were cost-effective in that market and we could provide that credibility I think that that was the main thing. I think if you can if you can actually understand the client's problem and talk, you know, consistently and you know with a with a degree of credibility about what you're doing, then I think that that helps a lot. And I don't think that's changed whether it's been SLP or getting into Compass or getting into Google. I think it's the same thing. And I think what you know it was obviously hard the first time because I'm now remembering some of the things in that meeting. And I think you know Lee and uh, and Sven were fairly. I suppose cordial towards us and gave us the time whereas I think there was another individual who wasn't particularly interested in what we had to say so that was always a challenge as well. I think the other thing that we probably did and it's probably what we always kind of do is we kind of concentrate on the people in the in the, in the not just in the room but that, that's going to be using the end solution and that so drivers and the terminal operators and that and from them their jobs isn't to operate with isn't to work with technology and they're kind of wanting minimal touch on technology so it's kind of how do you work the technology piece into the equation whereby you're gathering the information you need but not being onerous on the, on the use and kind of being able to massage into those little bits and we kind of communicated that across to the guys as, a, as that's kind of a part, part that makes us unique yeah we're small and um, but we're agile able to move we're able to, to to look at it and do it at a price that's realistic rather than kind of coming in and getting them to change their processes to meet a product that was already developed sort of thing or already there. I think the other big advantage was knowing that a lot of these competitors would be wanting to install hardware and software on-premise, which I knew from being at Shell would have been a nightmare to get through IT, whereas everything we would develop was mobile, cloud-based, easy to deploy, sat in Australian data centre, so there was never going to be that issue with the oil companies agreeing on where the data sat as long as there was alignment there. So I think that that was also key because I think we probably would have short-circuited that sales process by a year because the mm. other guys would have been they would have been arguing with the oil companies and legal departments about where all this data and databases were going to be sitting. And then any hardware that you get, I mean, that was one of the other things that was certainly a learning thing for me, but once I cottoned onto it, you kind of see you see why it's there, but also it's intrinsically safe. So when you go into a terminal and that any tech or anything you go in there has got to meet you know certain certifications and drop specs and everything else because there's live product around, so you can get a nasty result, an explosion or something. So the tech had to be you got to fit into a pretty tight box there on, on what you're introducing and how you're introducing it. So we kind of went in with 
not introducing any tech into the vehicles and that because you know the hurdles that were would be involved for they on that side of things would have been would have been huge um, I think I remember going into terminals just to take pictures so we could put stuff together and there was this special camera that was in a in a box it was like and it was like cost like two grand or something this camera did the hoops that they had to jump through just to get to get that so it was in a terminal so we could take some photos that's a definite consideration with the with the tech you know the as you say yeah the, a camera that would cost a couple of hundred dollars um yeah, it was you know two and a half thousand dollars because it had been tested to make sure that it was safe for the environments we were going into you know everything we do in that area is big dollars and that was a refreshing thing to find with with you guys is that you know everything that we dealt you with seemed to be far more justifiable you know one of the things i didn't say was we try and operate this business as a as a non-for-profit that's really hard to say when I work for three big multinationals. Many a time we've had accountants say to us, uh, oh, we can get you a tax break. And like, no, no, let's, let's have them pay their tax. But it is a case where this business is run, uh, where every cent that we bring in goes back to working on improving safety and improving the systems and making the whole process better. So to know that we're working with a company that is not just, it's more for the long term, we like that idea, that is not continuing like uh, a lot of IT businesses do is, uh, you know, is, it's just a constant gouge against your business and your resources. And uh, it's a great working relationship. I do hope that we can continue in this pattern for a long time. You know, it should be, it should be a good win for both businesses. We're certainly getting our win um, and I hope that they are as well. You're listening to the How Did We Get Here podcast, the story of Virtual Manager with Chairman Anil Patel, CIO Neil Fillingham and host Charles Dagnall. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the How Did We Get Here podcast. Currently, you're hearing from Lee Stringer, the manager of SLP, one of Virtual Manager's first clients. Now, he's in conversation with Sarah Stark and Neil and Neil, and he talks about how often they all get together. I suppose from a personal point of view, we, we really haven't, I suppose, over the years got together that often. Most of my engagement has actually been with them in particularly this manner, either via, I think we were using Cisco systems or something way back to have some uh, face-to-face conversations. And so most of my engagement with them for many, many years was a simple phone call. Being that we've worked together for this long, I think we get to know one another and know how each works. And uh, I think we've built up a relationship in that manner. You know, we have had times where we've uh, had the opportunity to get together and have a meal, and that's been great. And to talk about personal lives and so on, again, it's also great. We share a passion on cricket, uh, although theirs is a bit warped. Uh, <laughs> from the professional side of things, I only grab snippets on occasion when we talk on uh, various issues and I pick up, oh, they've, uh, they're dealing with this particular company or they're dealing with that particular company. I've never known them to be overly outward and overt sort of talking to maybe their other customers about customers they're dealing with. And I don't know whether that's um, a professional thing that they do or whether that's um, just simply 
uh, good time management. You know, I'm dealing with this company, I'm, well, this customer, I'm going to deal with them. But um, occasionally I'll pick up and I'll ask a few questions and so on, and they'll give me snippets of information, but they hold most of their cards pretty close to their chest. Um, so that's a good thing. So maybe they're not talking too much about what SLP do and how we do things badly uh, at times. Uh, so that's uh, that's always a good thing. No, they've definitely been obviously out there growing their business. Um, I'm always keen to see them grow their business. The healthier their business is, I believe the better they can service my needs as a customer. Yeah, with our really good clients, we have individuals like lead that can very clearly articulate what they want through process flows, diagrams. And often when a client relationship goes sideways, it's because they kind of just say, we want this. And then we go, okay, well, we'll try and document that and give them, no, no, that's not what I wanted. It's like, well, what do you actually want? Um, whereas things have been quite clear from, from yeah. Lee and Lee's colleagues of, of you know the process and what they, they want to achieve from To be fair, I think that's only, I've only managed to be able to do that from learning from you guys. You know, I'm being very openly fair on that. It's uh, been that case that uh, as we have worked together and developed things, I've learned and watched how you guys have done things and said, okay, well, if that's how it has to be, then I'm sure that I can pretty much put any proposal to you in in similar words or a similar design or shape. It's helped me balance our processes too. It's probably how I've learned from you guys over that uh, over that eight years. So that's definitely something I've picked up. So Lee, from a client's perspective, you have kind of touched on this what are the most important things that a business can do to keep that relationship long-term? Yeah, I, I suppose from my point, it, it's definitely about not becoming too comfortable with what you currently have. Learning over the years, you tend to find out fairly quickly that um, especially when it comes to IT systems, they're wonderful things, but they're very fleeting. And if you don't stay ahead of the game, then you're suddenly in a position where you're operating a process that is cumbersome, that people don't wish to use. They find that they will go back to other methods to avoid using what you've created. And we face that constantly. And that's why I try and stay and maintain the idea with the guys here that uh, we do need to keep refreshing it. It's got to be something that people, every time we provide them with an update, they look at that and say, wow, gee, that's going to make my life so much easier. And for some people, it's a matter of taking seconds off of what they do. But to them, it's really important. It's something that we need to focus on as a business as we move along. I suppose I've, I've learned from some great people over the years and that's it's always been that case that I've always looked for win-win um, in whatever I do. I look for long-term relationship. I've just started up a process with a business, um, a national business for, for storage locations across the country for my auditors when they travel. You know, they started coming at me with all sorts of different ideas and um, I made it quite clear to them at the start. I said, listen, you know, if you want to, I'll sign up on a five-year deal with you. I want us to be together long term. I want us to understand that we've got a relationship. I'm not here for six months or 12 months. I want something that's going to last and build and get better. And I believe I've got a fantastic deal with this company now. So it's far better than any of the other deals I looked at. So it's that kind of process, I think. Um, If you don't have a long-term vision, I think as a business, uh, you'll suffer. I still, unfortunately or fortunately, I still from time to time will have to deal with my 
my owners that have some short-term visions because oil companies I will occasionally have short-term visions. Um, so I've got to try and work with that and meet their needs also, but while maintaining a longer-term vision for the entire process. RegTech is a new buzzword in the industry. And Neil and Neil, it's obviously a massive thing in the oil industry is compliance. How do you see the, the virtual manager products assisting SLP maintain compliance or manage their dispersed workers by your products? And is that in line with the, the reg tech? Yeah, I think absolutely. If you take the drivers, for example, where you know they're loading fuel onto, onto vehicles and if they get that process wrong, then you have some really serious implications there. So you know the training of the drivers is really critical. So where, where we kind of come in uh, on the driver side of things is sort of making sure that the, tri- uh, that the, that the drivers have been through a proper training program, that that training program is updated and is available to the drivers at all time, that before they get a license from SLP that says that and that license essentially allows them to get onto on, into terminals. And that was a key piece of documentation that allows them to get into the terminals. Before they get that, they have had to sit an assessment um, that is you know is scored by the system. If they fail that assessment, there's a process that they go through. So we we take the, the process that is outlined as best practices by, by SLP and we implement that inside the technology and use that to uh, put control points in it and measure at various parts of that process to make sure that the driver is compliant with the standards that are, that are out there that keep people safe. And it's a very similar thing on the vehicle side of things where there's, you know, if you've got a vehicle that's not up to standard, then that's carrying a lot of products and and a collision can cause some really serious sort of issues, sort of thing. So, by having those systems in place and by using that to control and monitor and manage, and then maybe make some estimations around who's not compliant and being able to then train that or make a decision and manage that 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 exception, for me, it fits right into that space. All of our products follow some form of regulation, whether it's in the oil industry, healthcare, food services, where we'll take the regulations of SLP or, or what the government mandate and ensure that they get followed, you know, within our program and same with food safety, you know, we don't define HACCP standards, but we would ensure that those processes are followed based on the temperature limits of food being cooked. And I guess it just so happens with the oil industry, it's so heavily regulated and everything due to the dangerous nature of the products that every step of that supply chain we're having to kind of work and manage through technology which i think ultimately can only be you know safety and success of that industry to ensure that there aren't going to be incidents or if there are we can very quickly track back and understand where that could have occurred and how that could have occurred and i'd like to think going forward continually building around predictive analytics around okay well let's see if, if we can identify an issue before it actually happens as opposed to providing reports get the month end around what's happened so i think that certainly part of what neil and the guys are looking at in terms of looking at you know the whole analytics side and ai um you know engines in terms of how do we really drive that data to to the clients i think regtech has only become sexy in the last couple of months because scomo mentioned it twice now everyone's talking about regtech whereas i don't think anyone knew what it was before (laughs) we started to talk about it so we have to have to credit him with something so, Lee, when Virtual Manager first started with SLP, were you using paper-based systems for compliance management? Oh, absolutely. Yes, it was horrific. Um, absolutely horrific. 
it was an extremely out of control process. At the time, I think we had around 50 trainers for driver training around the country. Pretty much they were left to their own devices. The trainers would train to a process, but there was no assurance around that process. So we made some very big changes there. But they would train a driver and documents would get sent by post to our office at that stage in Sydney. Then a paper-based document ID would be created and uh, put into a plastic sleeve and put into the post and posted back. And they'd have to supply a photograph of themselves at the same time. It was just horrendous, all of this backwards and forwards. The new driver ID process just streamlined things immensely. The ability to... uh, take payment online. Originally, again, we were getting checks in the post or people would even put cash in an envelope and there was just so much to manage to the point where we had numerous staff doing this. So all these processes coming about and changing just made it so much more streamlined for us now and, uh, you know, the ability for us to be remote. Um, you know, we, we simply don't have an office anymore. You know, we have staff uh, spread across the country in uh, you know Adelaide, in and throughout uh, many locations within Brisbane, in Melbourne, in Sydney as well. We have contract auditors that travel around the country for us doing uh, random inspections of uh, vehicles and drivers uh, around the country now and building up a, a great database of uh, information for us that really assists us now putting all this information together um, in our new revamped systems as, uh, as they're being developed will just continue to help us in the future focus from the old paper-based system where we could be sitting for hours entering information into an Excel spreadsheet that um, you prayed wouldn't crash, that would give you this uh, data that could then give you some understanding of what direction you might head in safety in the future. With what we're developing now, the guys are developing for us, I should say, is really going to lead us in the exact direction we need to focus on where we're having our issues live, which is really going to be the big bonus for us. If we're seeing particular trends, we can immediately focus on those particular trends in that particular location with that particular company and possibly down to a group of drivers. So it, it really is going to assist us um, you know, having this great database of live data. We've got good data now, but with what we've built over the years. But for what we're seeing and what we can add with Virtual Manager, guys, um, it's only going to make it better and much, much better. Sounds like Australia Post will have a bit of a, a hole in their balance sheet since the VM started with you. <laughs> Yes, unfortunately, we still have to, uh, once we've produced all of this online, we have to send it out to them by post. Um, We need to try and work out a virtual way of doing it. Um, Well, in fact, uh, I've got to say, our our new uh, phone app, um, fingers crossed, will give them a a short bridge between getting a physical ID card. Uh, At the moment, anything up to 15 days before they get a card. And, and that's after we're posting the card out within 24 hours of receiving their information. So um, it's unfortunate that uh, we've got that slow post. But yes, our new app will, uh, will hopefully uh, create that great little buffer for the future. 
Well, thank you so much to Lee Stringer from the Safe Load program, Sarah Stark, and of course, Anil Patel and Neil Fillingham. Next time on the How Did We Get Here podcast, a special episode as we bring in the parents of Anil, Neil, and Tony Morocco to learn more about the backgrounds of Virtual Manager's Big Three. did we get here podcast with Anil Patel and Neil Fillingham was hosted by Charles Dagnall. This podcast is property of Virtual Manager, produced and edited by Daggers Media Limited. (laughs) 